Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The sun is shining. The room is full of political prowess. We are ready to tackle this. <laughs> and we got the edition. drum intro. Yes, yeah. I know it always feels so exciting. And Mara, I'm sorry you were not able to join us for the GOP convention on Saturday. John Dougal's in the house. He was there making a lovely but short speech. Sport is my favorite. Nice. And uh, Greg Hughes is still um, doing, doing what he's a doing. little red meat radio this week. Yes. So he'll be joining us next week again. Yeah. Unless they offer him a permanent gig and he never returns. So. Ooh, there you go. Wow. So we have so many weird issues to tackle this week. I just feel like every week there's like a new plethora of things to talk about in the political Those world. Those big $5 or, words, plethora. Yes, plethora. I'm trying hard to not use the same words because I saw... Lots of stuff. Yes, I just want new words. <laughs> uh, what was it the other day? I was listening to myself and I'm like, I say well too much. I've got to stop that. Really? Yes. Okay. And, and so I'm going to not use the word well. And then I saw... Uh, if you're watching live, start counting. Yeah, That's I right. saw the dictionary... They sometimes post new words and ask people what's overused. Literally. I'm sick oh, of literally. I really dislike Stop the word saying literally. literally all the time. Particularly since most of the time they are n- not being literal. They're being figurative. I'm like, your head figuratively blew off. Yes. It, didn't literally. it literally did not blow off. There was not off. a chance it literally blew off. Yeah, because then we would not be having this conversation. you couldn't be telling us about it. <laughs> so anyhow, new words, new topics. Here we go. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about water. There's some drama in legislative bodies across the country. The Utah GOP convention was interesting and not totally crazy. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened there. Uh, President not Biden totally is officially... Crazy. Not <laughs> endorsement. Not totally, <laughs> totally crazy. crazy. I know, but sometimes you get these headlines where you're like, what the heck just yeah. happened? And I feel like there weren't any moments well. like that that happened. Uh, President Biden, in case you were wondering, finally in the race. Uh, VP Mike Pence is going to be in town. And if you haven't heard, uh, CNN and Fox are just getting rid of anchors right and left. So, whew, here we go. How did you spell anchor there? <laughs> I spelled it. Getting rid of anchors. A-N-K-R-E. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like those um, kindergarten classes. What are they? There's this preschool by my house that spells itself P-R-E-S-K-O-O-L. Oh, and yeah. I really feel like you should not be allowed to educate children if they're <laughs> going to spell things like that. I know they're trying to be cool and different. <laughs> I don't like it. All right. Uh, 50 million gallons of water in a big ceremony this week. We now know uh, when the governor did a ceremonial signing. We'll be going into the Great Salt Lake on a daily basis. And right now we have the water for it. I don't know if you guys have looked at the mountains, but I tend to look at them a lot, A, when I'm driving to work. Can or you B, miss them? I know, but like they just sort of seem in all their glory because they're so covered in snow and it makes you forget what time of year it is. School gets out in a month. It's crazy. A month. And we've got all of this water that's going to come down. Sorry, I got a college age daughter. School gets out this week. Mm -hmm. We got finals going on. What university? University of Utah. All right, almost done. I know for a some BYU grad, that's a little painful. <laughs> I'm sorry for your pain. Did you say she's graduating? No, 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 just wrapping up finals. Wrapping up finals. I forget about that because college students come home early. Mm-hmm. My college student's now living in the middle of the ocean, so I'm not thinking about that. But 
Uh, yeah, it's weird that we're getting into the summer season almost-ish. When mm-hmm. Did not freeze at soccer the other day. No, I know. supposed to be 80 this yes. weekend. And so now we're just kind of in that hold your breath and wait and see. How fast it comes how down. How fast <laughs> it comes down or not. I saw some predictions about when we warm up, uh, how quickly the water will come down. And if we stay as cool as we have, which has been super cool, even though we were, were heading into a warm-up, with how much snow we have, it says that we wouldn't melt it off until February of 2024. But usually in February, you're not melting off. So it'll be interesting to see if we go hiking in, let's say, August or September. That's still And you can still throw down. snowballs. Usually wow. you can at the Lady Lakes up by Brighton. If you hit up in, like, mid-July, go throw a couple Little ice Cottonwood balls. will still have it. I mean, they'll have yeah. snow. Down, down where I live, down by Alpine, we watch a certain patch of snow. And if it melts in June, it's going to be dry. If it melts in August, it was a really good year. So it'll be interesting to watch it this it year. It will be interesting. I had a rule growing up when I lived in Kearns as a small child. And my mom wouldn't let us get out the slip and slide or the little kiddie pool until we couldn't see snow on the mountains oh. anymore. If kids have that rule... Good luck this year. Up a river. Rebellion. Rebellion. (laughs) But stay away from the rivers. They're dangerous right now. Well, 50 million gallons sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot, but But when we're down 2.9 million acre feet over the last three years, you know, at at a certain pace, I, you know, I quick back in the act, it looked like 800 days of 50 million gallons a day to return us back, assuming no evaporation. So right. it sounds like a lot, but it's kind of sort of not. I know. It sounds like a ton. I want to go swim there if we can raise it maybe another four or five feet. Will any of you commit to go with me to just have a nice little frolic in the lake? I'll commit to photographing okay. you. Oh, you will? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll I used go. to swim there when I, I was in elementary I know, school. It so is, I want to go back to I haven't to been that. there swimming since I was a kid. Yeah, so. it's Same. pretty. Last time I was there, I mean, it is pretty briny. It is. Yeah. Do any of you remember the water slides they used to have going in the lake? And you could go and throw your toddler off those slides because you're so buoyant. And I just remember everyone going off them. You just pop right back out. Yeah. Wow. Well, I do think we'll see a couple more diversions like this. I mean, to John's point, we need a lot more. What's nice about these are, like in this case, we were clearing out Deer Creek. Um, This took a lot of negotiation. It was done by the Conservancy Districts um, and Metro Water and Jordan and Central. And they had to unwind a ton of agreements because all of our none of our water is not called for already. Everything is called it's for called two for and three times, then, yeah, which is exactly. sort of weird to think yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. And so the, what they what they have spent this is the first time in Utah we've done an agreement like this. They're going to divert it for several weeks, and they're clearing out Deer Creek because of the runoff we were just talking about. And instead, this path would normally go to the Jordan or. Provo River, Provo River water users, and then it would go into Utah Lake. But both of those have levels that they feel confident about, and that creates this one-time diversion where it'll go into the Jordan River, and then it'll go to the Great Salt Lake. So that's what happened, and we'll see, I think, a couple more of these perhaps in Weber County, maybe a couple more from, from Utah County and Central Utah. But so they are, like, they're incremental. Um, that's why, you know, the gallon sounds more impression than the acre feet. It's about... What, 10 Olympic schools or Olympic swimming pools? I or 100? So. I forget. We did the math the other day, and now I can't either remember. either 10 or 100. I can't They're remember. They're definitely some swimming pools in there. Yes. yes. But, I mean, it was kind of cool to watch, though, because they moved the lever on, and you just see this. Yeah. yeah it, it, it was, was about 10 feet of a, a really cool waterfall. It feels like a weird cup game right now, because we've got this water, but we're just kind of moving, moving it, it around, around, which... I mean, is a good thing. So it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out. I was down by the Jordan River today, and there was a couple older gentlemen who had just pulled their boat out. 
And they said that there was actually a pretty good current going on in there, which is not normal. So, right. yeah, the water is moving, and we'll see what happens. So, anyhow, it'll be exciting. We're warming up, so stay tuned till next week. With the water uh, coming down, though, I think everyone has seen, if not once, maybe a hundred times the video now of those Draper homes. Sure. Can you imagine if that were your home, just watching that? Now, mind you, if you haven't been caught up on this, uh, a couple homes just collapsed there off the side of the hill. Vac- it, vacant homes. Yeah, been vacant homes. The people hadn't been living there. But the crazy thing is, is we're so used to seeing like CGI stuff in movies all the time yes. that at first it's like, hmm, that's no big deal. And then you're looking and thinking, okay, yeah. we have these brand new beautiful homes that are breaking apart and just falling down the mountain. So I had to remind myself that this, they're falling apart not because of the water. We should just be clear. They condemned them in October. Yeah. And that's when they evacuated There's these three homes movement. particularly. And it was because um, they had man-made. There was a ravine in this subdivision, and they had backfilled the ravine with compacted, excavated, um, man-made or not man-made, but um, created materials. materials. Well, and and soils. So it wasn't the water. The water's exacerbated it, but yeah. it was that they hadn't stabilized, and they kept sinking and sinking and sinking and sinking. And finally, last Friday, two of them fell down. I think they they scooped up the last one. But um, if you were listening to Mayor Troy Walker, who is a Draper mayor, He's not right pleased. on top of it. He's not pleased. And they fell, I think it was 5,000 feet down this ravine, this this new ravine that did gave way. 5,000 feet. That's, uh, that's, that's, that would like be hundred? really far. Like maybe, 500 Maybe 500. It was, a, and they aren't, I mean, they're going to have to spend a lot of time getting these back up. The road is currently stable. People have been but trying to pillage in there and like steal I know. everything. It's, there's a lot going on. They're and like, if you I go look at the pictures. still fine. Let's grab that. The what? pictures are so dramatic. What? And this that's is where crazy. people are going to say, well, Who's responsible for it? Yeah, and I that's mean, the fight I mean, right now. To what extent is it the developers? To what extent is it the city? To what extent is it the homeowners who bought those homes yeah. in a questionable location? Yeah, there's so, going to be a lot of finger pointing going on. And I will. And I think it sounds questions. like the developers hanging around. I mean, it sounds like they they are paying for the relocation of these hotels right now. Oh, and, for public and, relations, and, I think they have. Yeah, no and they're kind of just no hanging choice. in there. So, so the interesting thing is, I've grown up and lived in Utah most of my life, and. When you drive by some of these homes that I see sometimes in North Salt Lake or Bountiful, sometimes at the point of the mountain heading into Utah County, I look and I think, who in their right mind built there? Because you keep seeing either gravel pits dig more into them, or they're really close to the edge, and I'm sure they have amazing views, but I don't have the stomach for that kind of risk. I would be worried about things falling down. So obviously, you know you're building in a somewhat risky location, but I think people trust their builders or trust their city that... You know, if they get the clear and if they're allowed to buy the land, they can. And so that's where it comes the questions. And I hear a lot of people asking right now, saying, who is in charge? Is it the city? Because right now, as you mentioned, um, Troy Walker is saying, hey, the city wasn't here for some of these steps. The builders get to make decisions and go in here. And we would have liked to have come in for a last check. And we also have a lot of people, for good or for bad, in the legislative process who are either... Um, landowners or builders, a lot of people in that profession that kind of surround it. And so I think some people are asking uh, Mr. Dougal if maybe we have too many people just just giving a wink and an eye, just saying, okay, you know, build, this is where the money is. We're not going to, you know, tell you you can or you can't. Is there a problem going on government-wise where we're not overseen because people who have money and power and the ability to build are in charge? Or is this just really bad things happen sometimes? Uh, I think part of this is, unfortunately, bad things happen sometimes. But when you step back, 
you've got the dynamic. Clearly, there's a big pressure to build more homes and homes of all sizes and flavors and locations, et cetera, et cetera. Um, unfortunately, you have some situations where cities, which typically do the zoning and approvals for homes, can be too restrictive in some places, and maybe they weren't quite as restrictive in this case. And it's how do you find the, the right happy balance. medium? And then at the end of the day, there's only so much that a governmental entity can do and it really comes down to your you're looking to those the builder and and so forth who did the plans and did the studies to determine whether or not they thought this was safe to go through that and and some homeowners are the ones pushing the developers to do this others are you know just naively saying well if it's built it must be okay and and so this really is a lesson of you can have a whole lot of problems along the way and little pieces probably fall with different folks. There's probably not one good solution that's so gonna fix your, everything. Yeah, it is an interesting perspective of sort of location, location. We don't check, most of us don't check for earthquake faults, most of us don't check for flood zones because it was a flood zone 75 years ago and it, never and it will never happen again, 2023. Yeah. Like, I, I, it is an interesting question of what due diligence we do, including myself, when you buy a home. Um, but, ah, uh, these Draper. Families. I know. It's I feel bad for them. I know. It's go. a tough situation. And the thing is, is that, you know, it's happening to more than one builder where there's problems coming up because we're seeing Edge Homes in Draper. And then up in Kaysville, we have Ivory Homes, who has a brand new, beautiful subdivision there. And they have a road that just kind of cracked, open, cracked open and sunk into the ground there. So, you know, there's issues you have to look into. And I think we all probably have to be more responsible. I remember I rented a neighborhood in a neighborhood in South Jordan down by the Jordan River when I moved back to Utah. I don't live there anymore, but I remember talking to some people who were just really upset and angry when 114th was built mm-hmm. as a through uh, when they added on an area to get onto the freeway. And I was thinking, you know what? When I built a house 10 years ago, even further out in South Jordan, out near Daybreak, I knew that road was going through right. because when you go check out where you're building and why there's this big green space that nobody's building on, you know, a lot of people don't ask questions. They build the house, and they're like, oh, well, that's lovely space back there. Yes. Well, what's going to happen yeah. to it? Who has rights to it? What's going to happen? So probably a lesson for all of us to do some double-checking. Yep. Yikes. Yep. Not a fun lesson to learn, though. So certainly stressful. Reagan, Reagan said trust but verify. Trust that's but verify <laughs> is a good thing. And even then, you still sometimes end up in a big, fat, hot mess. So I do not envy those families. And the other families on that street, too, that are probably wondering, okay, my house is okay. Am I but and I, even the ones that live across the street that may not go down into the ravine, what is your property value going to look like? They're not going to replace that area with a home. Yeah. They're actually going to replace it with a lovely community open space Yes, park. they're just giving it to the city because at this point, who's going to buy that but, land? Yeah, yeah. but uh, the whole neighborhood's got some questions. Well, I know. you're probably going to have insurance companies and trying to sort through all yeah. that. Who pays? While we're talking about homes right now, switching the topic here, Senator Mike Kennedy, it's been about a week now since somebody came and spray-painted with red spray paint all over the front of the brick of his home and his garage. Some anti-trans messaging. I don't even know how to say that because... He voted against some bills. He actually ran a bill that dealt with um, conversion um, surgery and stuff like that. And so some folks are very angry at him about that. We don't know who committed the vandalism, but clearly this is a very troubling way to go attack somebody's home, destroy part of it by spray painting the front of that. Um, and this a very, seems the kindling right. issue this year. Yeah. So everyone's come out, and I think on the right, the left um, and said, Equality Utah yeah. was immediately out condemning the act. This is not act. okay. 
we disagree with him, but this is not the way to disagree. So how do we pull back from this, Mara? Because this seems to be the issue. I feel like there seems to be an issue as we come up to big elections all the time that it starts in one legislative body, but it kind of is the message bill that goes across the country and everyone's talking about it, and it's the hot-button issue. And it doesn't seem to be simmering down at all right now. How do we have a conversation about this where we can respect other people's differences, their decisions, uh, talk about it, make a difference, but not vandalize people's homes? Because when you live in your home, you have a family, you have a wife, you have a husband, you have a significant other that I guess you have to worry about too. It's not your job, it's your life and your family that I'm sure feels threatened when something like this happens. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important that... um, venues like this, we talk about it and say this is unacceptable. As as John said, everyone, organizations in this space came out immediately and said it's unacceptable. But here's what's troubling, and here's where I think the harder part is, is that we have to not accept this even in our friend groups. Not, I'm not saying to the point of vandalism and spray paint, but we've got to stop it with each other and and be a little Shut more up. yeah a little more I dignified a little that. more contempt we need to not avoid issues i think what the counterbalance is oh well we just don't speak of politics anymore and i think both john and i would say don't do that with the politics and and elected issues and officials are the essence of being an american and having a vote so i don't want to shut down political discourse i want us the harder thing is to say to somebody else let's not talk to each other that way. Or I disagree with you, but I feel like we're getting too hot about this. Or I don't think that's okay. And speaking out, I think that sounds so easy, perhaps even a little Pollyannish, but I think it's harder actually within your own friend group and community to sort of bring these issues up, hold each other accountable without being sanctimonious, but sort of not allowing it. Because I think it is, I mean, this was acceptable for this person. Disagree without being disagreeable. And I think one thing... see, a lot of people don't know how to do that. And I think that's the scary part right now. And one thing that kind of struck me as Senator Kennedy was talking about this is he said, this is something, you know, visually that you're seeing on my house, but I think that a lot of our legislators or elected officials get threats, whether it's through email or on voicemail. And some people might just feel like they're venting or whatnot, but these are real humans you're talking to. And... You can have these disagreements. You can call, try to get office time with him. You can send an email and tell them you don't like it. You can show up to public meetings. But threatening people just seems like it's becoming the norm. And I don't know uh, if social media has let us talk to people more like this mm-hmm. or if this is something has been around for a long time where people just can leave a voicemail and say, eat rocks and die. It's not well, nice. Eat rocks and die is mild. Mild. But, but, I mean, you look throughout you know, society and history and, you know, there's there's been – threats and lynchings and other things like that over the generations and stuff. And I think we've come through a place where it's been pretty peaceful for several decades, especially here in Utah, and and things seem to be amping up for some reason. I'm hearing a lot more uh, death threats and other things like that. Clearly, vandalism, this is a case here. It has been very concerning about how we interact with each other and how we engage politically and in other activities, not even just political spheres. People seem to vent in a certain way, as you said, on social media, which now seems to be carried forward into real life. And this is the way we just respond. We want to silence somebody. And even on places shifting away from this, you look at Stanford University's law school. They had a controversy a few weeks back where uh, a speaker was being you know, shut down and silenced. You even had one of the assistant deans of the law school basically chastise this speaker, and which is the exact opposite of what they claimed to favor in terms of free speech. And so we just are struggling with, 
a society of how to engage. And I think, unfortunately, COVID seems to have agitated this even more. Well, there are some basic principles of us and them and dehumanizing people that are the dangerous spots that America yeah. is getting into. I, Heidi, you know that I've been doing some work with the Dignity Index. Yes. Um, and they, this is the point they're talking about is let's be more aware of our speech. And it doesn't mean speak, you know, be nice. It doesn't mean be sweet. It means don't use contempt, use dignity, acknowledge other people's points of view. You can voraciously fight back. You can passionately disagree. It's not saying to be polite, because I sort of reject that. I think you can be passionate. I think a good, healthy debate is terrific. But I don't dehumanize someone. I don't immediately dismiss their point of view as lesser than. Well, and, and you and I may have a debate, and I may think you're horribly misguided. Right. I don't think you're evil. Right. I don't I, think you have ill intents. And I think that's what it comes down to is we've really ussened them too much. You see this in presidential politics. I think there is a group of people on both sides that if one side wins, it's really horrible. It may be the end of our country. If the other side Everyone's wins, it may be the end of our like, country. No. Like, it, it hopefully isn't that. But that level of thinking about it being zero sum and that you're either good or bad and there's nothing, you know, I mean, I get some feedback, some flack about this show and, and ever saying that I would like Greg Hughes and, and it's like, how could you? And we got to stop that. Yeah. Um, that's the, crazy. The battle of ideas is really important, but we've gone just too far with sort of. Well, now that we're we talking accept. about Greg. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but since Greg's not here, well, let's talk about him now. <laughs> it's just like that pause. Wait a beat. Wait, wait a second. I was at Jordan Valley, not Jordan Valley. It's called Valley High School. It's the alternative high school in Salt Lake County. And they had a sign on the wall in there when I was shooting a story this week. And it just says, pause before you post. Mm -hmm. And we could pause before we send the email. Pause before you make that call. Because you can still make the call. You can still post. You can still do whatever. But take a deep breath. Think it through. Don't do it when you're riled what, up. What did mom say? Pause count count to ten. Yes, pause count. before you spray paint. Just give yourself a second because it just, you can still have that disagreement, like we said, but just be reasonable somehow. It's it. also more persuasive to be reasonable. Yeah. Like spray painting his his house it's is not, not helping anyone support. Well, and the supporters, the people who have the same point of view. I mean, I, I didn't agree with with Senator Kennedy's bills. I don't agree with his issue on this, but I was suddenly like wanting to defend him, right? It has a, it has a backwards effect when you're not a persuasive person when you move to those kind of extremes. For sure. And uh, we don't want to talk about this too long because we're talking about other states here, but we've seen some of this just nasty disagreement happening in the Montana legislature. We saw it happen in Tennessee recently and Arizona. you brought up Arizona and we didn't hear about Arizona because it was Republicans kicking a Republican out down there, but and yeah. what did that Republican do? Well, she was accused of bringing a conspiracy theorist to a committee hearing, uh, which brought discredit on the House of Representatives down there, and so they voted to kick her out. And then in Montana, we're dealing with uh, Mara, a transgender, I believe, member of the legislature that they're trying to kick out, or did they successfully kick out? They, I think they they didn't kick her out of her her seat, but they kicked her out of the floor debate. She is at the Capitol now voting remotely. Um, so and then, not allowed in the chamber. Right, not allowed in the chamber. And I don't remember the length of time that she was censored for. And then like, Tennessee a few weeks ago kicked out two members of their body who were then subsequently reelected by the reelection body, the county body. Um, but it is interesting that we are, we are really lit up right now. I mean, we're ready to throw down. I find 
the legislators' examples feel really political to me because um, we've all heard a lot of pretty strong speech on the floor, and I think I I, I think there's room for that. I mean, I, I don't think it's persuasive, but I don't know that it's enough to kick an, an elected yeah. official out. Uh, I think for me, what's nice is I suspect it won't happen in Utah. But uh, it needs to stop happening in the well, United and, States. And, and part of the rule is, you know, you can have heated speech. Right. You can't impugn the motives of another elected official right. there on the floor. And I think we need more debate, whether it's in the Utah legislature or in the House of, you know, Congress or Senate in our nation's capital. And sometimes we don't have that debate anymore. Like, we really want to hear people debate issues. But I think that there's some decorum that's been lost, whether you're talking about at the city, the county, the state level, federal level, where we allow things on the floor that we didn't used to allow. And I think it's just how things have changed. And that's where some of the yeah, nastiness Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sound like I argue against myself in the last segment, but that's not true. Like, read the early American founding. Oh, those guys were They were nasty. pretty nasty. They were scathing. They were nasty. just didn't have any cameras, I they guess. They were personal. You look at John Adams and yeah. Thomas Jefferson, and it was Really, and they bothered I mean, to use a quill pen and write it down. I mean, like, they were serious about fancy, their, their dissing. Mm. And so, I mean, I don't think it's articulate, but I do I do question that we're getting this more passive-aggressive form. We're getting more... I mean, my questioning of those other bodies that kicked their members out is, was it extreme speech? And I don't know that it was. So then it's it seems like politics. I would like to hear more debates. Less headlines, more debates. Actual issues. Right. Meet some substance. All right. So everyone just behave. Luckily for us, we're not in legislative session right now, though, although interim starts in, I think, a couple of weeks. So I think it's next week. Right? Yeah. Is it next week or two weeks? Uh, it would be the third week in May. Okay. So we've got a few more weeks to go until we have oh, to yeah. deal with that. We have a small vacation from right. any um, decorum issues going on. Though the Utah GOP had a meeting uh, down in Utah County last week. I spent the day there. And interestingly enough. It was great enough, to see you. It was good to see you, too. I feel like I was rude to a lot of people because I was working on a deadline. <laughs> they kept trying to talk to me, and I'm, like, typing. And I'm, like, not really listening to people in full. So if you were one of those, I would like to apologize. I was cramming a lot in that day. but Apology accepted. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, Governor DeSantis spoke for a lot longer than I expected. I thought he'd get up there, do his 15-minute Stumpish style speech and get out of there. I don't know exactly how long it was, but it seems like, like it was 45 an minutes hour. to an hour. Was it? Yeah, yeah, it was a long speech. It was a long stump speech. Yeah, so it was interesting. And I also saw after he got done, a lot of people just got up and left, like before the governor could come speak or anybody else. And I was like, oh, okay. So people are walking out. Senator Mike well, Lee. I wonder I think, if those were delegates or just folks that came, to listen got a ticket to, to listen to him. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out too. So that might have been some of the hemorrhage of people right there. But I think Senator Mike Lee was planning on speaking, but it kind of ran over his time, and then he left because I'm not sure what they left to, but it seemed to me like some top, I don't know what you call, GOP strategist left with him to have a quickie meeting before he probably jumped on his jet to go someplace. Yeah, he had one other meeting with some uh, officials and then was hopping a plane back to, I think it was another state he had to speak at. heading around. So it was kind of interesting seeing that. And I was a little surprised, maybe because I haven't been to the GOP convention here locally for a couple of years, but there were a few boos for the governor and the lieutenant governor when they got up. Uh, is that 
unexpected, you think, Mara? Or is that this just how things are going in Utah right now where you have Usually, to be pretty conservative? conventions are red meat moments, right? They are like Left here, and, right. here. and yeah. that's why DeSantis rose to the moment a little bit. And I think he unloaded everything because he needed a win this last week. He had, he had had kind of a loss in D.C. the week before where even the Florida delegates were halfway splitting for Trump. And so he comes in, and I, I, I think he needed a win, and he seemed to unpack it all. Right, he had, something he, for everyone. Well, something it, for everyone. Yeah, it was a good, it was a great venue for him. Well, they also did a straw poll, and right? So he won fifty-five percent of the straw poll. Trump got thirty percent, so it was almost two to one in favor of DeSantis. Right, and I think you see candidates like Cox who um, have have a challenge in that they're they're generally moderates, and they come into these forums and they need to to gin up a little bit of the. I think by and large, delegates are the the more conservative part of the party. And so I think it's often the venue. He didn't get the kind of booing that we've seen when people are in real trouble. No, it was, so really, it was, it was pretty mild. It was recreational booing. It was like, it was like yes. 10 people or something. It was yeah. out of yeah. 2,500, it was really mild. Yeah, it was really mild. Uh, one thing that surprised me, though, and it was before I knew the straw poll numbers, but I was talking to some people just out in the hall, delegates, and I was surprised by how many said they still back Trump. They're like, I really like DeSantis. He can be the VP if he wants to run with Trump. Or I like him a lot, but it's not his turn. I agree with him. But they, a lot of people I spoke to said Trump deserves a second chance. He was robbed. I want him back in there. And I was surprised by how many people were really passionate about that, saying, yeah, I really like DeSantis. I was on my feet. I was clapping for him. But it's not his turn. So kind of but interesting to watch. I know folks, they love Trump, but they're like, I need somebody who can be in there for two terms, and that's not Trump. So I want somebody else yeah. like DeSantis. Even Wait. though I prefer Trump, he doesn't give me two terms. Yeah, and they have a brand-new um, leadership body coming in that was voted in at the convention. They're all very young, and they specifically said they really want to start targeting younger voters, which I want to get to in a second, whether that's possible. But one thing they also said, too, I was asking, oh, my gosh, I just lost his name, um, Robert. Rob Axon. Rob Axon. And he, when I asked him who his chosen, you know, person would be, obviously he gave me the political answer of <laughs> whoever, you know, the party, the oh, party the nominee, nominated. The party, yeah. yeah, that's who we're going to get behind, which I think ultimately, you know, whether you're talking to Republicans or Democrats are going to go that way. My question is, can Republicans do what they say they want to do? Because they really want to get younger voters involved. And Mara, Democrats have been awesome at this for quite a few years where they've learned, um, to talk to younger voters, to get them out to the polls. There's issues. They talk to them on TikTok. And I don't think Republicans have been very good at this. Can they do it? Uh, no. I mean, it's really hard. Like, I, I, we all want younger voters. And here, they just underperform. Bless you all that are listening. No disrespect, because if you're listening to this, you're not, you're under, not, under you're not underperforming. But as a category, if we just speak of people as categories... Um, this has been the holy grail for everybody since the 60s. And there are moments in time, and, and younger voters tend to proportionately be attracted to people, whether that is Obama, whether that is Trump. I mean, Trump had some really interesting numbers. Um, pers personality. Yeah, yeah. And, and the bigger sometimes the better. And then the zeitgeist, right? The 60s, you saw the war. Um, there's some predictions that the coalescing this year will happen more around the abortion issue. The abortion issue tends to favor, for meaning activist voters, yeah. it would favor the Democratic Party. So I think it's really smart to um, telegraph that you care about the younger voter, and I think that the GOP can stand to do some pickups there. If they were betting, you know, the rent money on it, then they might be in trouble. So you... 
I think it's really good to telegraph that you care about this group. We got rent money. If you have rent money. Mr. Frugal Dougal, what issue can Republicans talk clearly to to a younger voter here in the state of Utah and say, hey, you're welcome in our party. We want you to vote. We want you to be a part of us, and let's move forward together. So one of the key things, I think, uh, for a lot of young folks, you know, whether it's Uber or, you know, technology, other things like that, um, they like innovation. And so if you can talk about how we're the party of innovation and how free markets fosters innovation, that can be a winning message. But you got to distill it down into things that they see in their day-to-day life. Because if you get theoretical, um, you've lost them right there. Yeah. And money think- seems to talk. I've noticed uh, in the last go-around that there were, in here in Utah, a lot of young voters have really liked Bernie Sanders' message. And Bernie Sanders' message was largely a part of what we're hearing now from President Biden about paying for your education and other things that they were like, okay, I can get behind that. Yeah, I mean, I think on the social issues, um, progressive have an advantage. They tend to be more in line with that period in your life. Um, I think that homeownership is hard right now and what they want. Uh, and, and they're not as into the culture wars as the older guard of both parties, I think, in many ways. And so um, I think Democrats have been able to cut through that a little bit better. But, you know, they're not overperforming in this area either. And, and um, it'll be really interesting if we do a head-to-head again with two aging candidates and issues again, that we have again, said the same thing on again. That's my question because I want to talk about the presidential election because President Biden is officially in the race now. I think we all knew he was going there. I think a few people were like, well, maybe he won't, you know, maybe <sighs> – this will be Kamala's moment to shine. I have but. an older Democratic neighbor in Utah County, and yes, we do have a few Democrats in Utah County. He was bemoaning to me a few days ago before Biden made his announcement that I'm afraid our party's going to get stuck with Biden as our nominee. And he just thought that was a horrible mistake. It's like somebody else's turn, and he is a staunch, staunch Democrat. I think a lot of people feel like it's Groundhog Day, and that's the question. Are people so entrenched in the I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat that they'll just vote no matter what and turn out? Or you know, can we create some fire? And I think sometimes those candidates that are new and exciting and shiny, let's look back at President Obama or Trump when he was speaking out in a way that a candidate hadn't before. But there's nothing new about Trump, and I think he's got uh, a lot of personal lawsuits and cases that he's going to be dealing with. We have President Biden and people wondering about his mental acuity. Is he too old? Has he, you know, served his time and go on? So can we get either side excited? I'm not feeling excited about <laughs> the candidates. Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. Tribalism is, ruin, is, is ruling the day, right? And yet you listen to some polling. There was um, an Axios poll that came out this last week, and they asked them to describe how excited they were about either Trump or Biden, and it was really low. And then how do you how, feel about the election? Really in the, they, were in, they were both within, um, they were both in high 20s. And then they asked them to describe were open-ended words to this election. And they were like frustrated, exhausted. And like 23% said hopeful. Everybody else was like, I'm tired. And yet, okay, so that's in the same poll. Three questions later, who would you vote for? Trump, Biden. Who would you, I mean, we're so messed up in terms of- We're like, well, that's what we have That's who we have on our head to head. Now, if I were a Republican, I would be doing all I could to get Biden elected, and then I would want a new challenger because I do think get him elected or get him or excuse nominated. me get him nominated, which happens. I mean, the Democrats I hope are, we don't get him elected. No, the, the Democrats are a little bit in a box because if a sitting president wants the seat, 
you defer. One gives them the, the Kamala nomination. Kamala has stopped praying for the health of the president. <laughs> Maybe point. not. She, she'll be on the ticket. I mean, he confirmed she was on the ticket. He was strong about that. But but what I would want if I were a Republican is to have Biden at the at the nomination. And then you got to switch out Trump because I think you know how that head-to-head goes. The only viable one right now, it's so early. But right now, DeSantis is the only one. He's in the low to mid-20s, depending on what you're watching. Everybody else falls off. I and mean, we should give a shout-out to Asa Hutchinson, who also got in the race this week, formally. And he's got some bona fides, right? He's a f- former member of the yeah. House. He's He's been in law enforcement. He's been in immigration. And he's a governor. But... He, you know, they're all single digits, every other challenger. Which is frustrating because when you look at who's running for the presidency in the United States of America, when you think the world looks to us, you're thinking, we're going to put our best, our brightest on stage. And I'm not saying that President Have you seen how painful this process is? is? Yeah, it's a painful process, but it's just frustrating because, I don't know, I sort of want to look at the presidency without being ageist, much like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir is. At some point, you can't audition, and after a certain age, you have to go because maybe your voice is going to crack or you're not going so to what, sing like an angel An anymore. interesting comparison is the, there's a mandatory retirement age among our generals. We do not, even if you're the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and I want to say it's 72, but it might be 68. It's either late, late 60s, early 70s, and no matter how great of a job you're doing for us, they're like, your time is up. Yeah. And, and you're and saying Biden has shot through this already. I'm saying everybody in leadership in the House and Senate and the presidency has Nancy shot through Pelosi, that a long time ago. Mitch McConnell, Dianne Feinstein. Yeah, being President in your Biden, 70s Trump. is not a Democratic problem. It, it It's a curious thing where where I think there's ageism in, in corporations probably that aren't serving us well. We're like, what's the opposite of being ageist? We're like pro older people Pro governing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is sort of amazing that we're looking at a, what, a 77-year-old and an 80-year-old yeah. or a 76-year-old. And when you Trump think is. about when they get elected, you know, how old they'll be. Because is Biden 80 already? Or I think he's 81. Eight, yeah, so, I, I mean, you think about that. When If he were elected again, he'd be 86. And some people, when you sit down and talk to them, they're a firecracker firing off on all cylinders when they're 99. But you also see what energy it takes to keep up with as a president, uh, for campaigning. And my question about President Biden is whether or not he can campaign, because in this last election, I feel like he got a get-out-of-jail-free card in some respects because it was during the middle of the pandemic, so you didn't have to get out there and campaign and hit the, the streets. The basement campaign. Hit the streets is hard, and there's a lot of questions online coming from both Democrats and Republicans today because I think it was a Getty uh, image uh, photographer took over picture of his notes when he was meeting with uh, the South Korean leader and they had a news conference and they had a picture and a question and his answer from a reporter which is a question in and of itself. I don't really like playing reality TV on TV where you have scripted questions and scripted answers but uh, is it a sign that maybe he can't get out there and campaign or debate like he's used to? Or is this normal, Mara? Because, I mean, presidents meet a lot of people. The crib notes are normal. That yeah. That's much ado. And we wouldn't be having this conversation but for the conversation of his age, and maybe that's relevant. I don't I don't think that's com- particularly compelling. Um, Joe Biden is known for being a really good retail politician. So it's an interesting move that they have, are not starting out as campaign retail. They did a tremendously good video. I mean, a high video, production. A video. Right. Pre-produced. Yeah. In the can. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I mean, much. Don't, much, don't, don't much, risk a live event. Much like the mayor of Salt Lake City, though, right? I yeah. mean, this is not an unusual forum anymore. Yeah, it's and slick so, video. Yeah. And so it's pretty. Um, so the big question is, in our digital age, are you connecting with someone you're voting for if you 
don't see them live. And I yeah. know, I don't mean in real life, because we don't see our presidents in real life, but we see them live on TV. And if we don't see him live, he's done fewer press conferences than anybody almost in modern history, except Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, interestingly enough, also didn't do many press conferences. But like the question is not the format he uses. The question is, do we feel connected to him? He's really good one-on-one. -on -one. He always has been. He's always been a gaffer in big parties. Now, flipping that, Trump is really good in person like he's not he, as good he, he engages the audience yeah and, and he so he beats off your applause but he also or your booze he or also messes be. up a lot so joe biden's response i thought was a good response which is watch me right they, he's been having these questions he rose to the moment in his his state of the union speech most people thought he did really well but the question will be can this um candidate connect because if he can connect and he's doing it digitally, New York Times had an interesting article this week about the subject, mm -hmm. right? And they made a really interesting point in which they said, well, hey, let's, let's look at this and think that in America, what the Democrats need is for Joe Biden to be elected. They don't necessarily need him to totally be in prime form to um, be the president. The two examples they gave were that Eisenhower was in very poor health in 44 and 45 when we were stopping, when we were finishing the war. And Reagan was um, in poor mental health for the last several years, of, or the last few years of his presidency. And we would both deem those successful presidencies. And so, you know, they, they supposed that sort of this question about, a very Times question, a circumspect question about, Hmm, does, does he totally need to be a 100%? And I just proffer that as an interesting, I thought that was an interesting approach. I would well, like a president that's 100%. When you look back in the ages or you look now, and so that I guess that's the question is, you know, can we as a country, maybe uh, you'd have to go adjust the Constitution because I don't want someone kicking me out of my job early either. But I just wonder, is there some, I don't know what, board of directors we can have that consults with the president where we put the people who have great institutional knowledge and experience and you could call on them with like the red line and say okay we've got these former but presidents and former we've had healthy people with bad judgment and That's we've had true. sick people with good judgment yeah. right we've had a number of presidents that have had physical frailties and have been out of commission because of it and they performed well you want a team that pulls the strings correctly i guess behind the well, scenes we're sitting here shopping for eight years in the future right i mean that's where we're at is almost two years until coming into office and then yeah. i mean Bogle sorry deal, a four-year term so sorry we're it's, we're looking six yeah. years out yeah. Sorry. yeah which is a long ways which brings up a question of mike pence he is going to be here in utah at governor herbert's um, symposium on friday he obviously wants to run but the question is is there space or enough oxygen in the room when you have the president that he served with running and then others who are getting the race early. Is this something that he even has a chance with either of you thinking? What's interesting for me about Mike Pence is Mike Pence, in my mind, uh, has a large role to play about how we think about Donald Trump, particularly if he's testifying in any way. And he has such a credible voice on his view of history. And so I think he's relevant in that way. What I've, I, I'm going to say feel bad. I don't know if I feel bad for him. I'm not a Pence hater, but... He's getting no traction. I mean, it's fascinating that we spent a, a due amount of time on DeSantis. The press cycle on DeSantis was a week. And we have the recent former sitting vice president coming and we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's almost, nice. Almost didn't like, even know. That, that's Is great. It good to, he's good to hear. the fence? Because maybe if he was speaking out in favor of Trump boldly, 
that would be making headlines, but you can't do that if you're trying to run against him or speaking out forcefully against him, which, again, he's not doing. And so is that middle ground just not something that people care about? Well, it's, it's right now when you're trying to get people's attention, and he's a much more temperate kind of speaker, and he's not throwing out the red meat he to needs the same extent. He needs to fly in his hair. Then, yeah, there you go. So, so he's not drawing that attention right now. It's not calling to the radical, you know, Fox News or whatever it might be in terms of rallying people to to call for him. It will be one of the things. Part of the dynamic of politics is skill, and part of it is luck. And clearly, he has skill. The question is, how does the luck shake out for any of these folks over the next year or so mm-hmm. when it comes to getting thing- nominated? is whatever we're talking about now is not what's going to happen. I'm always surprised when you come to these presidential elections and you see, you know, this large full stage of people, you know, vying for the position. And sometimes someone rises to the top that you don't expect or people who you think are going to do a great job, they fall out pretty quickly. So it'll be interesting well, to I see mean, what A happens. reminder is that Obama was in De, um, DeSantis's position. Hillary Clinton was in what would be Biden and Trump's position, because I'm ignoring party right now. Yeah. They were in those positions at this point in the race, and Obama ends up pretty handily uh, handling the, the nomination. So we wait and we see what happens right now. And we're running out of time. And the other big talker this week is politics, but not politics. Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon both out from the respective networks, which is interesting because they're different situations. But at the same time, I wonder how much of this might be a cleaning house before they get uh, entrenched into what they want to be or where they want to position as a network ahead of a presidential election. And if it even matters because anyone or how much can leave is now and just, just dealing with preemptive litigation. Yeah. They just settled this one suit. They've got a couple more suits. It's still a lot problematic. Of money going it was out. interesting it happened on the same day. For some reason you want to tie them. Like I don't think they have I don't I don't know that they have anything in common. But like it was announced an hour apart. Neither of them were told by their network that it was happening. That so that therefore a lot of drama yeah. in that. Um, we haven't heard the last of Kirk Carlson, right? Oh, I mean, no. I, he'll I, have I, his own YouTube channel. Well, and, and he had his little little tweet and little whatever comment um, yeah. Yeah. last night, which was quite tempered and moderate in yeah. terms of his tone because he can't disparage Fox News. Well, and he's got a little more trouble than Don Lemon. I think Don Lemon was in, in you know, a, a mainstream media that ha- doesn't have a tolerance for accusations that he's that he's had against yeah. him that are pretty run-of-the-mill. Tucker Carlson, um, you know, just was a part of the one of the largest settlements in in uh, media history and has a, a lot of conflict even within his own ideology about what he says and what he Although does. Although I think there were people, I don't, I have admittedly stopped watching Fox and CNN and MSNBC largely. I used to watch KU a lot TV. more of it. Please watch KUTV. But I just used to watch a lot of it, and then at some mm-hmm. point it just sort of feels like news porn for, you know, whatever yeah. side you're on. And I just am like, this is too much because you can only handle well, so much it's coming in. It's not news, it's commentary. Yes, That's but, well said. Yeah, it is commentary. And so I don't watch a lot of it. Sometimes when there's a big issue going on, I watch both because I really want to see, you know, what both sides are saying about it. But I think Don Lemon, I think they wanted to get rid of him. And it seems to it's me where they were like, oh, let's pull, you know, pull the trigger right now real quick because then it won't be as big a headlines. The interesting thing is, is that Tucker Carlson, I think, could have a voice someplace else. But as I understand it, while they let him go, he's still under contract. Oh, and so he it, may not be able to. So, yeah. So if you are technically under contract, he they may be able to, depending on how long his contract is, keep him from 
taking this moment going anywhere and going else and anywhere just else. pay him each month. Here's yeah. Your payment. And if he gets paid, fine, he's getting paid, but you can't go and then use that, you know, momentum you have. So and you talked about positioning for the upcoming presidential yeah. election. Mm -hmm. Will he have a voice in it yeah, or it will he be him. blocked out of it? Yeah. Which is interesting because, um, your contracts can a, even when they get done paying you out too, you may have a certain amount of time where you can't go to another network or even in this day and age start, right. you know, anywhere else online, because really you don't need a network to have a voice these days. So, It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. It's a wild, wild west. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on tight. Well, here we go. Uh, the presidential election is literally, I don't know how many sleeps away. I just said literally, literally or figuratively. Literally. Guys, literally. Th this would have well, been because I was going to tell you yeah. how many sleeps, but I can't remember now how many days. But unfortunately, that election <laughs> is sneaking up on us, and we're going to be talking about it more than you'd like coming up. But have a great weekend. Enjoy the sunshine, and spring is finally here in Utah.